This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. I'm really excited to have you join and listen to today's episode. This is one of our interview episodes, and I'd like to introduce you to my very special guest right now. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. I'm so thrilled to have Mario McCracken. He is currently the chief revenue officer at Move Medical. He's been a fractional sales leader in a number of places. Uh, he's been a seller, a sales manager. He's been in the healthcare business, automotive, investment management, commodities, trading, software, online marketing. He's done it, right? So he's been in the job as a seller and a leader. And he's uh, one of the people that I know who's on the very short list of people who produce more content than I do. He's prolific uh, on not only on LinkedIn, but he is the author of a book, Really Care for Them, which is a great read. Really enjoyed it. And I'm thrilled to have Mario with us. Mario, welcome. Hey, thank you. Honored. It's great to be here. Excellent. So we're going to dive in and have a conversation about sales leadership. That's the focus of the show. And uh, let me just ask you kind of an, an opening question, which is what is the most important lesson you've learned so far about leading salespeople? Leading salespeople is is kind of tricky because it's a, it's a double-edged sword in a way where the purpose of the job is to sell a product, but the end result should be to help someone. And finding that balance between understanding if your product is really going to help that client or not is a fine balance. And so teaching that skill is something that's not easy. So the most important thing, I think, is to find people that are curious. And so as a sales leader, you have lots of roles. You're a mentor, you're a teacher, you're a trainer, you're a manager, you're a visionary. You have to do all those things in sales. But I think the number one thing you need to do is find sales reps who are curious, curious enough to solve the problem, curious enough to to figure out, hey, is this a deal worth chasing? And if they're curious, then everything else can be taught. But curiosity is hard to teach. Yeah. So how do you, you know, you've hired a lot of people over yeah, the years, for sure. right? How do you how do you test for that? How do you find people who have the the right level of curiosity to be, to be successful sellers? So one thing is when you start talking about things that they don't understand, if they ask yeah. and you know they don't understand it, and then they start asking questions so they can understand it. It shows two things, curiosity, but also humility, right? Because some people don't want to be seen as not knowing something. So, and sometimes that takes a while because you might talk to somebody that knows a little bit about everything. And that's really hard then to find out if they're actually curious or not because they, they know so much already. But then you just have to keep diving in and start talk and bringing up topics that might not be relevant to what you're selling necessarily, but relevant to the idea that, hey, we need to figure out if this person's curious. And then how do they react to topics they don't know what they're talking about, right? And that's... That kind of goes into it a little bit, but it's never a, a foolproof. A lot of it comes from experience of when it's their turn to do something and they mess up and then you let them know that they messed up, how do they respond to that? Do they want to get better? And are they curious to find the right solution or do they get defensive, right? And those mm -hmm. are kind of attributes that are really important to look for. Yeah. I used to, uh, quick, a quick anecdote from my experience in hiring people has been, I usually ask people at the start of an interview sales managers or reps. I've got questions and you have questions. 
I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to start by asking me some questions or would you like me to dive in and ask mine? Yeah, and that's if, great. If they give me the floor and ask me to ask my questions first, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you missed a chance there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because that, and that's a sign, right? Do they have the curiosity? Because they couldn't possibly know everything they need to know. It's like a sales call. Yeah, yeah. They don't know everything they need going in. So why wouldn't you ask me questions first? It's crazy. So I know it helps you answer questions better, right? It's just like a discovery call when you're applying for a job. It's a discovery call for you yeah. too, right? Yeah, totally. Okay. All right. So uh, awesome. All right. So one of the most important lessons is to look for people who have that curiosity and yeah. whose behavior indicates that they're curious enough to be yeah. effective in a selling role. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? On that front, any other big lessons learned? It's a little less with curiosity, but more in most leadership positions, you're either a leader and somebody who does management, or you're a leader and somebody who does training. Huh. There's very few roles in any job, in any company, in any industry besides sales where you have to do a ton of both, where you have to be the manager, but you also have to be the trainer and you have to be the coach. And that is very rare outside of sales. And that's why it's so hard to be an effective sales leader because you can't just be good at sales. You can't just be good at management. You have to be a coach and a mentor and also a trainer and a teacher to get the most out of sales. So finding sales leadership is hard for that reason. It's simple. The idea of it is simple. The execution is pretty hard though. Yeah, yeah. I think it is unique. Like I, I know people that lead like finance leaders. They don't invest a lot of time developing finance skills. Is that even what you call them? I don't even know what you call them. <laughs> But, yeah. but they don't like it's they they know that development is important, but I think it's much more front of mind for people in sales leadership roles, like you're saying, because it's such a performance based yeah. role, and you know where people stand on a daily basis. Are they meeting expectations or not? It's a little different than sorry, yeah. finding people if you're listening, but it's like it's it's different because of the yeah. nature of the function, right? No, yeah, and lots of those. Sales is a hard skill for sure, but it's also a soft skill. But lots of those hard skills like engineering, once you learn something and you're taught how to learn, you can teach yourself so much and go on your own way. Where in mm -hmm. sales, you need feedback and you need different perspectives in order to open your mind. Whereas in lots of hard skills, you don't need that. And so sales also bridges that gap between hard and soft where hard skills, you can be set on a path. If, you, if they just push you in the right direction, you're off and running. And yeah. sales, it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, 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 well put. Okay, good. All right. So what do you love most about leading salespeople, leading a team? So I guess in the end of the day, it's when you notice, so leading sales is, is, is part of the question, but leading people is another part, right? So the mm -hmm. reason I love sales in general, just as a whole thing is because when you really help someone solve a problem that they sometimes didn't even know that they could solve or didn't even know was a problem, that's a really good feeling because you mm -hmm. went in there, figured something out, and then were able to help them overcome a challenge that they didn't think was possible or even know they could overcome. So that's sales in general. But leading salespeople is people get into sales for various reasons, but often the best salespeople started as underdogs in some way, right? They have an underdog story that helps them be successful. And I think pushing those people to be even more successful and to realize their potential and their confidence is something that is really empowering. And the more you do it, the more confidence it builds in you, but the more confidence it builds in your team. And it's, it's a big snowball effect. So empowering people to kind of achieve their goals, I think is a big deal. Yeah. Empowering the underdog, right? Yeah. So you said a couple of things there, right? Um, in terms of leading sales, helping people to see things differently. 
Yeah. And they know exactly what you mean, right? That's our best days in a nutshell. Like I helped somebody to realize there was a problem in their approach or another way to get the outcome they wanted. And they left that conversation knowing that I helped, right? Feeling like there's real value there. But also, and I got to tell you, and I'm not going to make this about me, but I think about underdogs, right? I'm middle-class kid from New Jersey. I don't, you know, I don't have much of a pedigree really. And much of what I've learned unfortunately it was through failure and learning and, you know, right. And kind of picking myself up, but yeah, but I know what you mean in helping people who I think underdogs is a great way to put it. So many people who choose this life are, yeah. doesn't mean they didn't have opportunity or didn't come from wealth or, but they had their setbacks or their things that, that were standing in their way they needed to overcome. Yeah. Hadn't thought about that that way. Really good. Uh, really good point. What else though on the, on that front? Um, the, the reason behind the underdog theory, though, I think the foundation comes to the barrier to entry in sales is lower than, let's say, becoming a doctor, right? Because you can True. start in sales with a month or two of training and then start in sales, whereas doctor, minimum seven years before you can even start doing anything, right? So I think the barrier to entry is what makes that underdog opportunity so attractive. But that's then it, it, it creates people who really are willing to do what it takes to succeed. They just need to do it quicker. And that's kind of where sales has a conundrum. It's, hey, I want to do this super, super quick, but then you might not invest in the things to go. So in sales, you also see people transform on a daily basis more so than in other positions and other roles. Because when you're part of a leadership team of a company, you kind of have your hands in lots of places. And so you can see people developing maybe on the customer support side or on the engineering team, or on the implementation team, or whatever it is. But in sales, you see the transformation of the individuals so much more like in your face. You can see it weekly just by, Mm -hmm. of course, you're keeping track of the KPIs and you're seeing the results, but also as a person, you can see how they handle problems, handle headpacks, how their resiliency changes. And those kind of things really make sales a truly empowering profession in general, but also as a leader, it really helps you understand the value you bring to everybody. Yeah. Now, the flip side of all that is when, uh, if I'm a rep and I'm having a bad day or a bad month or a bad quarter yeah. or a bad year, coach, yes. you got to help me, right? And yeah. and now let's admit there are people who can't pull themselves out of that, right? They just, yeah. right. You know, I know that's challenging. What have you found aside from that? Is there anything else that you found that's like really challenging about leading salespeople. We've talked about the good and what does it look like when, when we have yeah. our best days, but what, have, what are the things that are really difficult about the role? So if the, the, the hardest thing is if the salesperson doesn't believe in what they're selling, that's, it's almost impossible to get them to achieve what they need to achieve. Mm-hmm. So I know it's kind of frou-frou. It's a belief. It's a mindset, right? But that's kind of the foundation of a good salesperson. They sure. first, more than any other skill, have to believe. And so understanding if someone actually believes versus if they just say they believe, where that discernment comes in is really hard as a sales leader. You have to figure out, does this person actually believe? Because if they do, then it's worth to invest in whatever it takes to get them to perform. But if they're not believing, either you can work a little bit to get them to believe or they need to find a new role because they might not be bad for the company. They're just not good for sales. Yeah. And if they don't believe 100% that what they're doing is going to change the people they talk to's life, then they might not be good for sales. And so all that training and all that effort could be wasted. And so you don't want to think in a sunk cost fallacy, right? Where you're saying, I invested so much in this person, but no, it's often better. Hey, if they don't believe, figure something else out and focus on the people that do believe no matter how bad their skills are. Yeah. Do you think that that belief, whether they believe in the product or service or not, if they don't, does that limit their potential? Is that uh, for sure, prevent could, them from giving their all? 
hundred percent, it, it prevents the potential. And the wonder, the number one way I found for them to get out of it is to talk to happy customers. So hmm. if I find a sales rep that's not doing well, and I don't know if they believe or not, you sit down and say, hey, I've set up these three calls and you do the setup. So you don't even make them do the work for you. you say, hey, I set up these three calls. I want you to talk to these customers. Here are the six questions you have to ask them. So you pre-write the questions and it's almost like a testimonial, like what a marketing team would do to get a case study, right? And you just ask the rep, hey, just talk to these three people today. That's your focus before from, from nine to noon. This is your focus for the day. Don't worry about making any sales calls. And if they come out of that, with a new perspective and an understanding, then you know it worked. If it doesn't, hmm. then they, then that's kind of how you can tell. But yeah, it definitely limits their growth and potential at that role. They might be good in sales for another company if they believe it, because I've actually had to leave jobs where I didn't believe in the product I was selling. And once I realized that, I was like, hey, this isn't going to be good for anybody involved. So I've yeah. had to leave. But yeah. if they don't realize that on their own, then that's the job as a leader to help them see that. Yeah, that's uh, I've done the same. Uh, had to leave certain situations. But you just said something I want to make sure those listening pick up on here. I've never heard that before, which is, look, if you've got somebody who's sort of, uh, who's a, a seller on the team and you're not sure if they're really bought in, do they really believe in what we're selling? Have them talk to happy customers. Have them understand, like, from the customer's perspective, what's so good about what we're doing. I've never done that. I think that's a brilliant idea. And I've never heard anybody say that uh, as, a, as kind of a way of overcoming this issue. So, Beautiful. Great point. And doing that on a whole company in person is even more powerful. So, Ooh. you know, COVID, we didn't, our company, we didn't see it meet together as a whole company for two and a half years. Right. And so when we had our initial first time getting together last fall as a whole company all together, we brought in some of our best partners, clients, and had them speak to the whole company about their experiences. So that way we could get not just the salespeople on board, but we needed to get all the new hires, all the engineers, everybody on board and put our product with a face to say, hey, this is real and it changes lives. And once we did that, the whole company was rejuvenated. So it's something you can do in person, costs a little bit more money, but yeah, you can do it on the phone until then. Yeah. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. Now, I've seen that, what you're talking about, but I've never... I haven't personally connected that with building the belief in what we do. Sometimes yeah. it's it's educational, yeah. But it, specifically for those people who aren't necessarily fully bought into what we're selling, yeah, or how we're selling it, that's a connection that I hadn't made until you said it. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. It could it could be transformative for sure. It works yeah. sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. I'd probably say it's 50-50 for how it works, but yeah, it, it does work. So, but so much of leading is at least you know you you addressed it. Right. Yeah. It's like we've done what we can to try to close that belief gap. If it didn't work, it didn't work. And maybe this isn't the right situation. This person can't really be successful here because right, they're not bought in. They don't believe. Yeah, exactly. At least we gave it our best shot. And it helps us to avoid the sunk cost fallacy you mentioned earlier, which is I'm just going to keep throwing good time after bad at this until it solves itself. It just doesn't, yeah. doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Good. Okay. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about maybe this is going to get into your backstory a little bit. Or, or So who's had the most influence on you and your work as a leader? Oh, shoot. That's a tough one, right? So I think it's gone in phases, right? My So growing up, it was definitely my mom, right? Single mom. She raised six kids. 
Uh, we lived in a small little home with six of us. The three boys had a room. The three girls had a room and my mom had a room. So that was good. It was a good, we were close together, right? She, her leadership wasn't by teaching me how to be a leader. It was how did she lead a family that she didn't sign up for that exact scenario? And that's what mm-hmm. a good leader does. They get faced yeah. with scenarios that they didn't sign up for, but now their job is to be the front, the face, protect everybody else from the negative and the bad, help them accomplish their goals while still doing their job. And that's what my mom did for many, many years, right? Um, So that was kind of that example of, hey, this is what a leader should do. Whether or not you're perfect or not, that's not the story. It's, hey, is this person trying to do what they're supposed to do? And that's what a good leader does because everybody else can see it, right? Yeah. And then later in my career, um, when I was in my first sales role, there's a, he's a sales trainer now that's kind of famous on YouTube. He does lots of events. His name's Victor Antonio. Oh yeah, sure. And he was one of my first sales mentors I ever had in my first sales job right out of college. <laughs> he was the sales platform speaker speaking to crowds of two to 400 people. And I was a salesman in the back of the room selling to small business owners. And so it was all in-person consultations, doing 10 to 15 in-person sales visits per day. And he was kind of the sales mentor and coach and speaking for six, seven hours in front of the room. And it was an amazing opportunity to learn from a a great sales leader. But one of the questions he asked me was when I was just sitting in a hotel lobby, I was waiting to go out to dinner maybe or something. And he came down and he said, oh, so what, what sales books are you studying right now? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, what are you studying? I'm like, he's like, I said, I'm not studying anything. He's like, oh, so you're not really serious about this, are you then? And it wasn't in a mean way. It was, he was like, matter of fact, yeah, I guess you're not serious about this job. And it really got me thinking, oh, am I serious about this? And then that totally changed my perspective. I guess I said, hey, if I'm serious about something, I should be focused on it. And then that changed how I approached everything after that. So that was kind of important. And then today, it's it's a kind of a different perspective. My wife, she's always there to remind me and support me in multiple facets. So the number one thing she always reminds me of when we're not achieving what we want to achieve or accomplishing our goals or somebody doesn't treat us right, she says, hey, you've earned this, you deserve better, so fight for what you earned, right? And so sometimes you need someone to support you when you think, oh, I'll just wait or I'll be patient. She supports in fighting. And also then somebody to point out where you're actually wrong, right? When you're on the wrong track. And so, so I think those kind of three people at different stages in my life have been my biggest influences when it comes to being a leader, especially in sales. Yeah. And I, as you're telling the story about Victor Antonio and where you are in the back of the room, it reminded me, you just saw me looking at chapter three of the Divine Comedy of Sales. We capture a little bit of your backstory and yeah. one of the big lessons you learned. It was a totally different story, so I won't divert from that. But yeah. I didn't realize Victor Antonio was one of the people on the stage when you were the ones getting people into the room. So that's... Yeah. Uh, pretty awesome early mentor to have, right? I yeah, don't, for sure. I, I, we have friends, common friends. I've never met him. Maybe I'll, I'll try to get him on the show at some point, but. Um, oh, I can, he'll get on the show for you. I'll just send him okay. an email. All right, beautiful. Yeah, wonderful. I appreciate that. Okay, so if you think about the role of, whether it was a coach or mentor, you have these moments in your life when you can point out, I learned a really important lesson here Yeah. by watching this person's example. I learned a really important lesson here by just this person asked me one question. Yeah. I learned, I also learn on a regular basis from my wife, right? That, that it's right. It's okay for me to fight for fill in the blank. And I've earned the right to the right to kind of fight for myself. I think we all have those. What's been maybe the biggest lesson. If you think about family life specifically, I'm going to kind of pick on the, yeah, yeah. on your wife and the role that she plays. Like what's the biggest lesson that, applies to your relationships outside of the home that you'd say she's helped you to learn? So I think it has to do with 
with actually standing up for yourself. And I know it might come weird because salespeople are seen as arrogant or cocky or aggressive and assertive, but often when it comes to interpersonal relationships, because salespeople are so good at making peace and diffusing problems, when there is a time to stand up for yourself in a good way, often salespeople don't do it. They don't stand up for themselves because they're trying to make peace. And I think in sales, especially when you're growing your career, you need to let people know that, hey, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. But then outside of it too, you need to let people know where your heart is. And typically actions tell people where your heart is, right? But often in interpersonal relationships, those actions get sidelined and little little instances can become big problems. And I think knowing that, hey, you didn't cause this problem, it's not your fault and you're on the right track, Somebody having somebody in your corner is important. And I think then that translates into sales leadership is you need to be that person for your sales reps. You need to be Please. in their corner and say, hey, no, you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing, and giving that kind of encouragement is huge and making sure that they know that you support them. Because if somebody feels supported, they're willing to do anything for you. But if they don't feel that their sales manager has their back, is not behind them, then it's hard for them to stand up even for themselves. But if you can support them, then they have the more confidence to do what's right. And I think just having that example of someone that's supporting you allows you to support other people in, in that same way. Yeah. You know, there's a common thread between what you just said and something I heard from another guest uh, who's going to be on probably a week or two before you. Okay. I forget the exact words he used, but it was essentially stand behind them. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Stand for them, stand behind them. And it, the point was your reps really need to know that you have their back. Yeah. And, they're, and you have to be sort of overt about demonstrating that to them yeah. at key moments and kind of look for your spots. They can't be fighting for them on every little detail <laughs> all the time, like with finance over commissions, you know, on a daily basis, but because you have to pick your battles. But as a rep, I think about my best leaders. They were the ones who I knew had my best interests at heart. I trusted them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you find out what's important to them and fight for those things, right? They exactly. people are going to fight for everything. But you, yeah, you, like you said, pick your battles. If the only thing that matters to this sales up right now because of what they're going through is commissions, then don't worry if they complain about the product or complain about the leads that aren't very good. Don't worry about those things. But commissions, yeah. fight for their commissions. But if it's the opposite, what if they are fine financially and they're the leads are the biggest thing? So fight for them to get better leads. Like mm -hmm. there's so many ways. And like you said, pick your battles is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, Mario, I'm going to ask you one more question, and it's my way of sort of capturing. Is there any other gem or nugget that's bouncing around in your brain that you haven't revealed to us yet? What else? What else do you want to share with the audience? What else, uh, what else do you think we need to know? So at the end, even though all of this is good and everything we talked about is super important, I think the biggest thing that proves where your heart is, is how you every day show up and care about what you do for yourself and for others. And there's a little story that comes back to me for that is, so I'm LDS or Mormon is a, is a religion. I served a mission in Hong Kong. And when I was 17, so about two years before I was supposed to head out, I didn't know where I was going to go, right? And I didn't know what was happening, but I was, my mom, we were just driving back from some practice. She picked me up from maybe it was basketball practice or football practice or something. And we're driving back home and she just looked over and we never talked about me serving a mission or being a missionary. But the one time she did, she just looked over and said, hey, are you planning on going on mission? I said, yeah, of course. And she said, well, your actions say otherwise. And that was it. And that was the end of the conversation. Whoa. That was it. That was the whole conversation. And so I think as leaders, you if you care about something, your actions eventually follow. Maybe you're not perfect, but overall, the body of your work show if you care about the product, if you care about the customer, if you care about those you lead, if you care about your role. So when you care about things, your actions show it. 
And that's kind of, at the end of the day, if you really want to be a good sales leader, you're going to show it by coaching, by training, by teaching, by mentoring, by doing everything you have to do. That means you're a sales leader. And if you care enough, you'll figure out what that is and you'll find a way to do it. Yeah. There's uh, one other thing I'll point out that I'm picking up on from a couple of your examples is that whether it's Victor Antonio asking the, you know, what are you reading? Are you taking this seriously? Or your mom pointing out, maybe your actions don't line up with your intent to go on a mission. Yeah. That's a two way. It's not only are they saying and asking those things, you're listening and picking up on what they're driving at, whether they, however they intended it, right? Whatever conclusion they hoped you would draw. So for those listening, it's not only like, can we be that mentor? Can we be that person who helps someone to see something differently? Are we listening for those moments where we can learn too? And I would argue that we don't know each other that well. We've kind of you know, crossed paths and had a few new, a few conversations at this point. I've really enjoyed it. But the thing that I pick up on about you, as I have so many other great leaders, is they're learners too. They're constantly sort of tuned in. And when they have these moments, they take action. So showing up, show you care is from going back to the conversation, you're in the car with mom, right? But it's, I have to be sort of open and overt about what I, what I care about. I have to demonstrate that. And if I don't, I may be sending the wrong message to the people around me, whether it's my loved ones or the people on my team. So for those of you listening, right, I think that's a really critical point. What are we demonstrating? Are we showing to the people on our teams, to our peers, to the executive leaders we report to, to our clients? Are we making it clear what we care about to them? And if we are, is it the right stuff? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, that's so, a great summary. Yeah, 100%. Beautiful. Mario, so great to have you with me. And uh, I know that everyone listening is going to is gonna take a few nuggets. I'm going to summarize in a moment a few of the things I heard you say, but I really appreciate you giving the time and sharing some of these gems with the audience. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, thank you. It was an honor. Thanks, Matt. What a great guest Mario McCracken was on today's episode and one of the challenges I have after such a great conversation is sort of boiling down what are just the few top few things we can take away. So I'm going to give my best shot at summarizing. And then the challenge is for you, think about how you can apply some of the things that we heard from Mario today, because I think there's an awful lot here that's relevant for almost anyone who's leading a sales team. So in no particular order, we talked about a lot about leading people and you know, sort of the overriding theme was show up and show you care. Now, you know that Mario wrote the book, right? About really called uh, really care for them. But almost every answer he gave tells us that that's not just the title of a book. That's how he lives and uh, performs his role as a leader. He said a few things that really struck me. We were talking specifically about when in those situations where we might have people on our teams who don't fully believe, or maybe they're not totally bought in on our products or services. And he said, you know what? A great thing to do in that case is to have them talk to happy customers. And then if they don't believe after that, well, maybe we don't have a good fit. But in his experience, having people talk to or hear from happy customers is a great recipe for helping them to really fully believe in what you sell. He said a few other things that really struck me. He said one of the things he loves about leading salespeople is uh, it's, it's a lot of the job is helping underdogs to succeed. That struck me. I thought, gosh, I was an underdog. Maybe still am. 
Um, but that is the profile. So many of the people that we lead in sales roles, like he said, they're not they're not doctors. They don't have advanced uh, uh, medical degrees, and they really, really have to work hard to achieve a, a high level of success. So in that sense, they are underdogs. Doesn't mean that they they are underachievers, of course. But it's our role as leaders of sellers to really push them to be great. How does he do it? Gosh, his actions tell people where his heart is. He helps people to see things differently. Right? These are all the ways in which Mario as a leader delivers value for his people. And then last but not least, in addition to the role he plays for the people on his team, he talked about something he's learned from his wife, as a matter of fact, stand up for yourself. Like you've earned the right to stand up for yourself, what's good for you, what's good for your family. And that struck me too, right? So, wow, so much to take from this. Maybe you took a few other key points or something else resonated with you today from this conversation. So I really appreciate you being with us for this episode. This is Matt McDarby, host and author of The Divine Comedy of Sales. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. The conversation with Mario was excellent. I will look forward to having you back for a future episode. See you soon.